Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. I was 18 years old. I had just finished high school. And I was about to sail from my hometown in South Africa, East London, to Cape Town, which was over a thousand kilometers away. It would take us five days to get there even with the aid of the warm Mozambique current. Our vessel was a 34-foot yacht. There were six of us on board, and in order to take full advantage of the current, we set straight out to sea until we could not see land anymore. We obviously sailed through the night, so we had a system whereby two of us would always be on duty. I did not, and still don't, know much about sailing. But I can hold the helm and ensure that the camp compass keeps pointing west. And if anything goes wrong, I can shout for the captain for help. It was about three o'clock in the morning when I was woken up and told that I was on duty. I emerged from below deck and took over the helm. The two previous guys who were on duty quickly disappeared, and I was left there alone as I waited for my sleeping partner to emerge from below deck. It was a clear night, and the stars and the moon had lit up the ocean around me. All I could see in every direction was the Indian Ocean. And this yacht was going up and down over the waves. And now and again a wave would break over the bow of the yacht and wash around the deck and down the side of the yacht. And as I sat there, holding the helm, all of a sudden, I felt very small. This 34-foot yacht, which had felt so big in the harbour, now felt like a tiny speck in comparison with the vast Indian Ocean. Then I looked up. I had never seen so many stars in all my life. There were billions and billions of stars. And even in those places in the sky that looked like there was nothing there, if I looked closely, I would suddenly notice that even there, there were more tiny stars. And as I considered the vastness of the universe, The fact that there are galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies. I suddenly felt extremely small. And as I sat there, holding the helm, and looking at the vastness of the Indian Ocean, and as I looked up at the vastness of the universe, It had a profound effect upon me. I had a profound sense that there was not only a God, but that God 
was very, very big. That God was awesome. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 19 and verses 1 to 2, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of His hand. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. And as I sat there, holding the helm, it was as if all those stars, the moon, and the Indian Ocean were crying out simultaneously, God made me. God made me. God made me. So, how do we know there is a God? Well, when I look at creation, when I look and reflect upon the universe, it drives me to the conclusion that there must be a God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, God who is invisible and unknowable has made himself both visible and knowable through what he has made. Just as artists reveal themselves by what they draw, paint, or sculpt, so the divine artist has revealed himself in his creation. And today, God's power and skill are still displayed in the beauty and the balance, the intricacy and the intelligibility of our universe. But, how does creation reveal God? Firstly, creation has a cause. Because our universe is ever-expanding and getting bigger and bigger, scientists are convinced that our universe had a beginning. But what caused the universe to begin? Scientists believe that our universe began with an enormous explosion of energy and light, which we now call the Big Bang. But what caused the Big Bang? Astrophysicist Robert Jastrow, a self-described agnostic, states, the universe flashed into being and we cannot find out what caused that to happen. In other words, scientists have no explanation for the sudden explosion of energy and light. But something must have caused the universe 
to come into existence. Secondly, creation is designed with a purpose. If you consider the size of our planet with its corresponding gravity and the position of our planet, they both are perfect. If Earth was slightly smaller, an atmosphere would be impossible, like the planet Mercury. And if Earth was slightly larger, its atmosphere would contain too much hydrogen, like Jupiter. If Earth was slightly closer to the Sun, we would be toast. <laughs> we would be burnt up. If Earth was further away from the Sun, we would be ice. Frozen. Earth's size and position within our solar system, which is huge, is perfect. To ensure the right atmosphere and temperature to sustain life, plant, animal and human life. After the satellite detection of birth pangs of our universe, the Guardian wrote, It is difficult to know what the appropriate reaction to such mind-expanding discoveries should be, except to get down on one's knee in total humility and give thanks to God or Big Bang or both, for cunningly contriving to allow this infinitesimal part of the universe called Earth to be bestowed with something called air. At the total opposite end of the size scale, all cells have a DNA code like a computer program coding, that predetermines how the cell will behave and develop. A consultant surgeon wrote to John Stott a few years ago, and he said, I am filled with the same awe and humility when I contemplate something of what goes on in a single cell as when I contemplate the sky on a clear night. The coordination of the complex activities of the cell in a common purpose hits the scientific part of me as the best evidence for an ultimate purpose. Or, consider a bee. <laughs> uh, a little bee has a little bee leg, and on the little bee's leg is a little bee's leg hair. And on the hair of the little leg of the little bee is a gland. And this gland on the little hair on the little leg of the little bee produces a sticky wax. And when the bee lands on a flower, 
pollen sticks to it so that fertilization can happen. There is a purpose for the sticky wax in the little gland, on the little hair, on the little leg of a little bee. All of this and the beauty and the balance, the intricacy and the intelligibility of our ecosystem all point to the fact that creation was designed for a purpose. Therefore, Paul can write, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and the divine nature have been clearly seen, been clearly understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. There is plenty of evidence within creation for the existence of God. Of course, some will deny the evidence. There's a story of two men walking in the forest, and they suddenly came to a clearing, and there was a whole row of flowers. The first man said, Look, there has been a gardener here. Look at all the flowers. The other man responded, There has been no gardener. Look at all the weeds. Some choose to see the evidence differently in order to deny there is a God. Another proof for God, other than creation, is the is that humanity has a God conscience. Paul writes in Romans chapter 2 and verse 15, Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness. Over here, Paul is saying that even people who do not have the Jewish law, that is, people who don't know the Ten Commandments, they still know the difference between right and wrong because God has given them a moral conscience. Anthropologists have discovered that there is a worldwide moral conscience within humans. Of course, a person's conscience is to some extent conditioned by their culture. But nevertheless, they have discovered that all people know the difference between right and wrong. They have a sense of justice. This is in itself evidence for God. For God has given this moral consciousness. But more than this moral conscience... God has also given humanity a God conscience. A sense that there is something out there, something transcendent, something beyond us. Some people deny that they have a God conscience. But often in a time of crisis, the deep-seated convictions of the heart reveal themselves. This is seen in one of the latest pop songs by the script entitled, Don't Break Even. The lyrics go, I'm still alive, but I'm barely breathing. 
just praying to a God I don't believe in. Furthermore, this inner God conscience is clearly evident through the majority of the world's population. It is also evident throughout history. The majority of the world's population throughout the whole of human history have had a sense that there is something beyond us, something transcendent. It is only in the last century, essentially in Western Europe, in the height of modernity, that the dominant worldview has been to deny this God conscience. And it seems to me that it's a bit arrogant to believe that our Western European worldview is right and that the rest of the world and the rest of human history is all wrong. What is also interesting to note is that a new generation of youngsters in Western Europe Europe, have abandoned the ideals of modernity and have embraced a postmodern worldview. And as a result, they are open to spirituality and the transcendent. The idea that there is something beyond us, something beyond this material world. This is why the Bible merely assumes God's existence. It does not try to prove God's existence. The opening lines of the Bible are, In the beginning, God. However, all of this only proves that there is something beyond us, something transcendent, a God. It does not disclose to us who this God is or what this God is like. For that, we need to look at Jesus. For the Bible tells us that Jesus is the human face of God. And it is in Jesus that we discover what this God is like. And that is the topic of next week's sermon, which David Openshaw will give. However, if you find yourself doubting whether there is a God... And there have been times in my life when I have had doubts about whether there is a God. What should you do? Well, this is what I do. I reflect on creation. I reflect on the beauty and the balance, the intricacy and the intelligibility of our ecosystem. I reflect on the billions of stars in the sky, the power of a thunderstorm, the majestic awesomeness of the Alps, the beauty and the uniqueness of a snowflake, the skill of a honeybee, the incredible abilities of the human hand, the vastness and the potency of the sea and the miracle of a birth. 
And while I'm reflecting on creation, I ask God to reveal himself to me. For the Bible says in, in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, God says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And when I reflect on creation in the context of prayerfully seeking God, those aspects of creation start shouting to me, God made me. God made me. God made me. However, a Christian's knowledge of God and evidence for God goes beyond reflection on creation. For Christians have a personal personal knowledge of God. Christians know that God exists because they have experienced the presence of God in their life. For as Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So, in summary, if you are doubting the existence of God, then take a moment to step out and look out at creation and reflect upon the beauty and the balance, the intricacy and the intelligibility of creation and then ask God to reveal himself to you through the majesty and the beauty of creation. Then you will be ready to take the next step and ask, Who is this God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that although on one level you are invisible and unknowable, yet you have made yourself both visible and knowable through creation. And we thank you that you have gone even further to make yourself more visible and knowable. You have come to us in the person of Jesus and you have died for us because you love us. You have died for us because you love us and you want a relationship with us and you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And therefore, we come before you in humility, in awe and wonder, and we come before you and we want to declare that we want to worship you. And we want to become what you have created us to be. And therefore we do say, we declare to you this morning that we are thankful for what you have done for us. Amen.